USB microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced, it cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. Welcome back to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Warriors 3, Brett, Derek, and myself, Mike, and we have a special guest for you guys this week. If you've been watching Netflix and the series The Toys That Made Us, we have creator Brian Volkweiss. Almost went to German pronunciation. God, you nailed nailed it. Brian Volkweiss of The Toys That Made Us to talk about the series, maybe get some information about what's coming up in the next four episodes and what the future lies. So welcome, Brian. And I'm going to start off. What made you come up with the idea of The Toys That Made Us? Uh, well, first of all, thank you uh, for having me on the show. Very honored and excited that you even want to talk about it. So thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, uh, it, it was real simple. Uh, when I was like a little kid, I used to play with toys. Then I started collecting the toys. And uh, over the years, my collection grew and grew and grew, as did my passion uh, for toys. So that was the first part. Then the second part was I'm a huge history buff. I have been since I was a little kid. And at some point, I noticed that you could go to a bookstore and, like, find eight or nine different books about, for example, um, the War of 1812. Uh, It was like, ah, I'm not trying to put down the War of 1812, but (laughs) then you'd be like, where did Optimus Prime come from? Or where did Snake Eyes come from? Or why did the Millennium Falcon look like this as a toy and like that in the movie? And it, it was very hard, especially pre-internet, uh, to find information about, and again, no disrespect to the War of 1812, but I just think there's a lot more people interested in Transformers or G.I. Joe or Star Wars than the War of 1812, again, for example. So that was really the inspiration. And then I happened to be a television producer, so uh, I happened to take the stuff that I care about and try and sell it. And that's what happened here. All right. So I understand Star Wars being the first topic or, or the first episode. What was actually the first topics that you filmed first? Is it how it's coming out? Or no. did you go different directions and then piece it together the way you did? Yeah. So we filmed all eight episodes simultaneously. So we basically – we started off making a list of people that we wanted to talk to. Then once we found out who would agree to talk to us, um, we broke it down by city. So we had Cincinnati, Chicago, Tokyo, Billin, Denmark, you know, whatever. And then, you know, we went to Cincinnati. We interviewed the Star Wars people while we were there. We also interviewed some of the uh, people that had worked on G.I. Joe but retired in Cincinnati. Then we went to Rhode Island. We interviewed a lot of the former Hasbro and current Hasbro people 
in Rhode Island. Um, so it really was, yeah, it was all done simultaneously. We shot in Billund for three days. Then we flew to Japan and shot for five days. You know, in Japan was Transformers and Hello Kitty. So it, it, was, it was all a mishmash, and we just kept sending footage back to the office. Was it was it difficult to get uh, people to do the the interviews or or? No, not really. There there was really only <clears throat> two people that we wanted that we didn't get. One was George Lucas, who his sure. people could not have been nicer or cooler. I just think, and this is my opinion. He never said this. His people never said this. But I think he's kind of over it a little bit. So you know, imagine. Sure talking about the same thing for 40 years how uh, you feel about it 40 years later and then the other person was a real jerk and I'm not going to say who that was uh, <laughs> out of uh, over 300 interviews we only didn't get two that we cared about and part of it was you know we went early on to Hasbro and Mattel and Lego and a lot of people Jill Broad's a great example you know, the first thing she said to us was, did you talk to Hasbro? Or, sorry, Mattel. And we were like, yep. So then she called Mattel. Mattel said we were cool. And then she spoke to us. Um, so that was a big part of it as well. Cool. How the heck did you even find out about all these people? It must have been like hours of research or years, I would imagine. You know, um, the answer is long and short. Um, we started off with about five people that I knew personally and I would deem uh, experts. You know, an example of that is Brian Stillman. You know, Brian did a great Star Wars documentary called Plastic Galaxy. Yep. And, um, you know, Brian knew – not only did Brian know the people that he – had interviewed for his own documentary, but he knew the people he didn't get. And then a lot of the people that we spoke to told us about people that he hadn't even known about. So with his experience, you know, he spent years making that movie. So he joined us as a producer. Um, and basically that got us plugged in with the Star Wars world. And then we had three other people like Dan Klingenschmidt was our G.I. Joe expert, you know, and they just, you know, it got to the point where it was like, hey, do you know anybody in the Transformers world? And one of them would be like, you know what? I know this one guy. He'll know. And then it all start. It all came from there. But it really started with four people. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. With all the people you interviewed, and of course, we've only seen four episodes because only four episodes have been released. Uh, at least the last time I checked on Netflix. Out of those first four episodes, who was probably the craziest interview, but you still had the most fun with? Uh, my, one of my favorite interviews of my entire career was Jim Kipling. He was the Kenner lawyer. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we didn't think he was going to even show up. He was extremely skeptical about doing the show. Um, <laughs> he had a trillion billion questions. Uh, <coughs> said to us like yeah i'll try and make it but we we didn't think he was gonna come uh he walked in and um i mean you saw him i mean he yeah i, I didn't say when he walked in he was nervous but he was extremely skeptical and guarded so it was just this kind of kind of borderline awkward vibe when he got in 
And then for about the first 10 minutes was like also like a little kind of like, oh, like pulling teeth. And I've been interviewing people for 10, 15 years. So I'm, you know, I'm used to this kind of thing and everything. And then I don't know what happened, but eight, nine, 10 minutes in, something in his head snapped. And he was <laughs> like, I'll tell you anything. Like, <laughs> you ask the question, I'll answer it. And then he just started telling us all this stuff. I'm sure you saw in the interview, he yeah. came with the contract and uh, we didn't, you know, he was so kind of nervous when he came in. We didn't ask him what it was. He just was holding this red binder. And then through <laughs> the interview, he was like, well, I happen to have the deal right here. And he opened it. Like, so that, that was, um, that, that, that was, that was great. One of my other favorite things uh, that happened uh, was, um, in the Transformers episode, which is just so you know, the next four episodes are coming out in about three months. Um, in the Transformers episode, um, Bob Budiansky uh, showed up. And this is the guy, if you don't know who he is, he wrote all of the Transformer comics. All of them. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, he also came up with all the characters. So he comes in. We were shooting in Manhattan. And, uh, you know, he's holding in his hands like a whole bunch of legal paper and loose leaf paper and notepads and stuff. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, he wasn't nervous by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a very sweet, kind, kind of quiet soul. So he, uh, you know, we put him in front of the green screen. We start filming. We're talking to him. And at one point I was like, blah, 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 you know, Optimus Prime, blah, 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 Starscream. And he's like, oh, I, I have the Starscream uh, bio uh, right here. Uh, and <laughs> He suddenly realized these papers he was holding was his actual notes from uh, 30 years ago, wow. 30 years. And this is my favorite part. And this is what really a lot of the people we worked with were kind of like this. It killed me. It's like he was probably holding in his hands minimum quarter million dollars worth of stuff if oh, it went wow. to him. Oh. Could have been half a million to a million dollars. He was on a train. For three hours, coming to the interview, <laughs> no folder, no bag, no like I, I would have had a gun, like to protect him. Right? <laughs> he, he just had this stuff in his hand, so it was lots of little moments like that that were just absolutely crazy uh, wow. to be there and see and meet these people and see these relics. Your your interview. The way you described your interview with the Kenner lawyer is kind of like how um, my previous co-host before these two guys, uh, what we had with Jake Lloyd from Phantom Menace, ah, kind of very similar. Um, but it, it, it's, it's cool hearing this. Now, I got asked by one of my co-workers, how hard was it to either frame or not frame that chair during <laughs> oh, the, yeah, the, the infamous chair? Here's the thing about the chair, and you, you, it, now that I tell you this, if you ever watch these episodes again or you watch the next four, you'll see what I'm talking about. I've been producing TV for a long time, and one of the things that I noticed a while ago was I hate interviews where you know you have the CEO of IBM sitting in front of the IBM logo in the lobby. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, I feel like, first of all, it makes the audience feel – that it's fake or scripted. But the other thing, I think it affects the person being interviewed. 
Because I think the more comfortable the person being interviewed is, the better the interview is going to be and the more stuff you're going to get out of. So I've been doing this on shows I've produced for at least seven or eight years. If that's her office, that's her office. And everybody's saying, well, you should have framed it out. You should have framed it out. No, that's in her office. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Yeah. Frame it out. That's her. That's she could have chosen yeah. a trillion, billion different things to have in her office. That's what she chose, and that's what we're going to show. And it has it created a talking point on the internet. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes it has. Now, I love um, I love this series. This is right up my alley. I love, of course, you know, I grew up with all these toys, and I love I love hearing the backstories of how these things get made or how they come about, which, which you don't often get to hear. Um, and I watched, I watched all four of the episodes in one sitting cause it was just, I just loved it so much. Even the, even the Barbie one I loved. I love and, hearing uh, Love hearing this. And, and uh, my favorite episode has to be that course, the masters of the universe, because those guys, they were just something else, those guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> that must have been fun. They must have been fun to interview. Yeah, they they were almost too fun. Um, you know, a real <laughs> one of the things we tried to do really hard was make a positive show, and um, but at the same time, you can't make a positive show by removing any controversy. So one right. of the things that we really had to balance with that, that those guys really do not like each other. And <laughs> we, I feel like that came across in our episode, but all the people involved said way worse stuff about each other that we didn't put <laughs> in because we wanted to convey the issue, but we didn't want that. To me, the key to he and I'm not a He-Man fan. I am now, by the way. But like when we started out, other than, like, Barbie, the show I knew the least about was He-Man. And arguably, I probably knew more about Barbie than I did about He-Man. But to me, what, what I fell in love with with He-Man was what I believe we showed in the episode very accurately is there was just no rules. Like, it was just bananas. Right. Like, yep. my favorite, really, I think the funniest thing in the entire first season is uh, the thing with the uh, Battle Cat. Yes. Where it's like, ah, yeah, just do it. And like that was He-Man. He-Man was this absolutely illogical blend of swords and laser guns, horse uh, <laughs> and chariots with spaceship. Like, none of it made sense. And I have a whole shelf now in my collection of He-Man figures because I really nice. view them to be just incredibly bizarre modern art. And to me, that was the heart of He-Man. And also the fact that there's no other toy we've ever encountered that shot up so fast and fell down so fast, yep. which I also thought. Oh, yeah. But I think a lot. there's another documentary about He-Man, which I have not seen, but my understanding of that documentary is the majority of it is about how these three guys hate each other. And you can't mm. watch that for more than five minutes before mm. you're like, all right, they hate each other. Now, for me, the most interesting fact out of the He-Man episode was the the original name was not Masters of the Universe. It was supposed to be Lords of Power. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they had to change it because the the Christian right w was yeah. getting upset about it. I'm like, 
Okay. <laughs> so I guess that'll bring me to my next question. From the four episodes that have been released so far, because we don't want to spoil what's coming, what's been the most interesting fact that when you heard it come out of the interviewee's mouth, you're like, holy crap, I didn't know that. Can, can I uh, can I do a tied for first place? I, I was thinking one, which one per episode. And if you got ties per episode, that's that's cool. Oh, oh okay, all right, oh great, I can do that. That's easy. Star Wars. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but me and every single person I know my age has been raised from birth that George Lucas was this genius who was making ninety nine point five cents. There we go. I got one of those. Uh, <laughs> George Lucas was making 99.5 cents out of every dollar and he, of the toys, and he was a genius. And then we're interviewing Robert Kipling, and he's like, nope, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 2.5 cents. And I was remember just being like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's And Kipling was like, uh, I did the deal. <laughs> I, I was there. <laughs> where, where were you uh, in 1974? And I was like, well, I wasn't born yet. He's like, well, uh, if your word against my word. And like, that just blew my mind. Did you guys know? I mean, I knew Lucas made his money from merchandise and that the movies were just pocket change. But that whole deal, I didn't realize it was that low. Yeah. So that was that. Um, I mean, He-Man, again, definitely for me was, you know, I just love, you know, the whole um, – you know, the whole thing where it was like, we got a comic book when they didn't have a comic book. We yeah. <laughs> when they didn't have a cartoon. So I love that. Um, G.I. Joe, uh, and this is probably my favorite, uh, you know, tied with the Kipling of it all. But the whole thing where, um, you know, they didn't have Cobra. You know, Hasbro didn't come up with Cobra. And just the whole thing where it was, uh, and I remember at the interview being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ho- wait a minute. Hold on. Marvel? <laughs> Cobra? Yeah. Yeah. Some random guy in a staff meeting was like, how about Cobra? Like that in everything we heard in the entire first season, that's one of my favorite things. Yeah. And uh, in Barbie, I mean, I, Jill Barad is one of my favorite people. I mean, I, yeah, I, she's I, great. Go on yeah. Facebook, posted a, a scene on Facebook that we didn't put in the episode. And if you thought she was a badass in our episode, you should see the thing we cut out because she, <laughs> you know, she was just great. But one one of my favorite moments um, was when um, there the uh, I forget her name. I think her name was Joy. You know, who is not a fan of Jill's and really uh, didn't like her at all. Um, it doesn't say in the episode, but she was actually basically kind of edged out of Mattel because of Jill. She's this very powerful moment where she's talking about Bratz. And she goes, but you know what? Had Jill been there, Bratz wouldn't have made it to its second birthday. And I love that. That was just one of my favorite things. Um, Because, again, she didn't even like Jill, but she respected Jill's skills at protecting Mattel. I think for me, for Barbie, it was the right from the get-go that it was – essentially stolen from Norway. Germany, yeah. Or as the, you know, it was a, a sex doll? Or or from a, an adult co- or cartoon? Yeah. Or a comic it, strip? It, 
just to be clear, it wasn't really stolen. Those dolls were not made by one company and sold the way Mattel did it. The purpose of those dolls, they were like a gag gift, like uh, like what you would give to guys going to a bachelor party or you would give to them at the bachelor. And they were made by lots of different companies. Um, It's kind of like Santa Claus for us. Like lots, no one owns the rights to Santa Claus. Hundreds of companies make Santa Claus merchandise. It was like that. So it wasn't stolen. It was uh, to use, I guess a modern word, uh, misappropriated. (laughs) Makes more sense now. But still, I guess you could say inspired by. But still, Barbie coming yeah. from that, something Actually, wholesome coming from something not so wholesome. If you don't mind, I want to do over. I want to tell you my real favorite moment from Barbie. My favorite moment from Barbie is when they told that story about how Barbie's eyes used to always look sideways. Yeah. And then in the 80s, when women's rights were starting to get going, she was finally looking forward right at you. That's, oh, yeah. That's, to be honest with you, I think I'd rank my favorite moments in the first eight episodes. Kipling, just saying all this crazy stuff. Then it would be Cobra. Then it would be the thing about Barbie's eyes. Maybe Barbie's eyes would even be second just for, like, just crazy, like, whoa, that I'd never thought of that ever. Yeah, that's, like, that's the kind of thing that's interesting when you, like, you realize – who knew there was an actual reason why that happened? Yeah. yeah. And and that was the actual reason. Right, yeah. Now, yeah. on my Marvel podcast, we actually uh, – I believe he was editor at the time, uh, Tom DeFalco with Marvel. Yeah. yeah. With the whole G.I. Joe and I believe right. Transformers at the same time. Yep. Yeah, no, you oversaw everything. Not just so, that. I mean you oversaw everything. So he, he's – one of the main ones responsible for bringing the comics to life for the toys. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, go ahead, Brett. Oh, it's uh, just interesting how all these toys almost never made it. They all came from somebody taking a chance on something and pitching some crazy idea. Oh, yeah. To get them sold. Well, it, it's funny you bring that up because every now and then I get asked, you know, what's the big conclusion you came to having seen eight, you know, spending a year digging into eight gigantic toy lines. And that's my conclusion. It is unbelievable how delicate success is for every single one of these toys. And mind boggling that, especially in Lego's case, Lego, the brick that we play with today was basically invented in 1958. Lego was already about 20 years old, but the modern brick that we use it is the same brick today that it was in 1958. Imagine if Mattel and Hasbro and Sanrio were selling today what they were selling in 1958, to put it in perspective. So that's the thing. So in addition to how delicate uh, everybody's success was, it's just amazing to me that they could reinvent themselves every year right. and keep going. Mm-hmm. I was surprised with uh, Star Wars when they when the original three movies came out, and then they're like, "All right, what are we going to do with all these toys now? We have this, <laughs> we have this." And then Lucas says he's not going to make any more movies, and all of a sudden he ends up making the prequels. Yeah, exactly. I love the uh, I love the GI Joe story. How they were they were like pitching it, and to to the head of Hasbro, 
And if he had just made the wrong decision, then a huge chunk of my childhood yeah. would have just been completely different. Yeah. yeah. It, it's amazing to think of something like that. It really is. Well, I think for me, some of the interesting facts were from Star Wars. Some of the molds came from reusing the Fisher Price people, which I remember having some of those as a kid. <laughs> like the there was a whole aquatic team set and uh, a few other sets. I'm like, now it makes sense why some some of our favorite Star Wars figures looked a little bit like Fisher Price people. And fit, <laughs> and fit in those toys just so so well, but the but the uh, the the head of the company going, I want the figures this big, yeah, and they just took a a ruler and went, okay, three and three quarter inches, there we go, and that changed everything, yeah, mm-hmm. and then yeah. and then Snake Eyes, there was essentially no mold. At all? Oh, we're just going to do this and paint it black. Who's yeah. going to care? And that's mm-hmm. the most popular character. Yeah, yep. uh, it's amazing. Saying, if we get a second season, the gift I'm going to buy myself is a G1 Snake Eyes. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, so moc, oh, so badly. Why? Why wait? <laughs> <laughs> you got to be disciplined. You got to be disciplined. Um, I hope you get a second season because I yeah. want more. I just I want more. I, I don't yeah. I don't want to wait sure. three I don't want to wait three months. Can we just get them now? <laughs> we're, we're still working on them. They're not ready. People keep, <laughs> people keep saying, "Why aren't you put them out?" Like, they're not done. Uh, two of the four are done. Where we're, I was in the editing bay today, I want them. So, if you got a second season, would you still stick with eight shows? Would you try and do more? We have 20 shows that if we're asked to make more, I think are all fantastic without compromising anything. So we have 20 ready to go. Of those 20, um, you know, they, you know, like, of course, it includes Turtles, My Little Pony, you know, wrestling, um, uh, Power Rangers. But, you know, the other thing we really want to get into is... You know, there's some great stories about the toys that have never been told before. So, like, the same way there's never been a, to the best of my knowledge, and if you know differently, please tell me so I stop saying this, but I'm not aware of a documentary ever being made about Transformers. Same thing. I'm not aware of a documentary ever being made about McDonald's toys. And we are close to McDonald's toys in many ways. The stuff we got in Happy Meals, by the way, it's not just McDonald's. It's Burger King. Uh... Dairy Queen did our Deep Space Nine uh, toy line uh, in the uh, 90s. So, you know, that's something we will you'll have those nostalgic moments of, oh, my God, I remember that. Well, you Except go, yeah. you go, Batman animated series, McDonald's. Yeah. So, and it's a great story. So the same way we've all heard McDonald's is the biggest chicken seller in the world, McDonald's is also the biggest toy company in the world by far. Mm-hmm. I say you could even go back to the, like the old Burger Chef with right. their kids' meals. Yeah, because I remember Cracker Jack, right? Could do that too. <laughs> um, what's now? I I saw this come across my Facebook feed earlier today, and I didn't look at it. Would you ever consider a an episode of like toys that have been censored? 
We, we have not looked into that, but uh, we will almost definitely do an episode called The Toys That Should Have Not Been Made. Uh, <laughs> that's basically toys. This is my favorite, and I just want to say I'm an avid collector of this line, so I'm not making fun of anybody. Or if I am, I include myself. But, like, Dune. Why were toys uh, Dune? Who yeah. would have before? So, you know, Black Hole. You know, again, oh. like... like <laughs> Listen, I have them. They're on my shelf. But if your job was to be in charge of a profit and loss statement, would you have greenlit Dune, the toys? Probably no. not. No. Black, <laughs> Black not. Hole I would have because there were some cor- – I had a Maximilian. I, and- listen, I got all. I have every single one of them, half of which are the ones from when I was a kid. But if you saw the movie, you'd probably be like, eh, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit dark, with a little bit uh, of adult. <laughs> it was, but when I saw well, there was I, when I saw there was toys, the only one I didn't uh, of the three bots, the only or the four, the only one I didn't get was Old Bob. I, I got Old Bob. I got Vincent. I got Maximilian. I got. I'll tell you this to this day. One of the most pissing my pants moments in a movie theater was when he took the mask off in the yeah. guy's face. Yeah. That was <laughs> It's absolutely terrifying. When the, when the, yeah. when the two were merged together. So with your uh, collection, what's your favorite? Do you have like a favorite toy or line? I mean, Star Wars is definitely first above all others, or first among equals, as they say. Um, then probably a quick sec, close second place would be G.I. Joe tied with Transformers. And then, you know, Lego, you know, Lego's the only toy I've never stopped playing with. You know, I've been buying Legos, building them for, you know, probably 38 to 40 years. Um, So my favorite, you know, I had a real interesting thing happen uh, in December. I live in California and we had to evacuate our house and uh, we only had about 28 minutes to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I grabbed the most valuable stuff, but I also grabbed some of my oldest. You know, I still have my die cast Millennium Falcon from when I was a kid. You know, my die cast, um, by the way, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the stuff left over uh, from my childhood is all entirely metal. Uh, <laughs> none of the plastic stuff seems to have uh, survived the uh, M80s. Uh, but, um, yeah, so that's what I took with me. You know, I had a very valuable, you know, I have an MOC Death Star droid. Uh, I have an MOC uh, Jedi uh, Emperor mail giveaway so I took those, but then I also took, like, my oldest pieces. By the way, the most valuable thing I had in my collection I did not take, uh, which easily could have fit in my car. So um, if you live near disasters, I suggest making a list of shit you want to grab before you need to flee your house. Because uh, you not have that. And uh, I literally took stuff worth, like, 1% of a couple things I forgot to take. <laughs> Now, I'm looking forward to uh, my favorite toys have always been Transformers. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing the Transformers story. I, you know, we all, we've heard little bits and pieces of, of these stories, but to see them fleshed out in these documentaries you've made, uh, that's, it, it's just so interesting. And I could just, I could just watch them all for hours. So I'm really looking forward to the Transformers. Uh, I think you'll like it. We, uh, you know, like I told you, we went to Japan. We found all the Takara people. We went uh, to the 
the, 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 the warehouse where all the original Transformers were designed out of balsa wood, you know, uh. like he, those were all destroyed, but we got the Polaroids, the only known pictures of them. You know, we we found some amazing stuff that's never been seen before. And almost every and I still can't believe this is true. Like we interviewed a lot of people, especially Takara. Never done an interview before. Wow. Really? Huh. Yeah, most of them. I think we interviewed like let's say six Takara people. I think only one of them had been interviewed before. Huh. See, I I've put in requests to Hasbro to interview some of their designers for either this show well. I run three shows. I have this show. Derek's with me on um, Wookiee Radio, which is our Star Trek show. I mean, Star Wars show. Hey. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then um, I also do a show called Mighty Marvel Geeks where we talk all things Marvel. And, of course, with Hasbro having Star Wars and Marvel, I wanted to get and, – and this show being just general geeks, like they're perfect for cross-platform for anything. I would love to talk to these guys. It's, it's been difficult on my end. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. One of our episodes coming in the next four is Star Trek. And a lot of people are like, uh, Star Trek toys? There's no Star Trek toys. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, there are. <laughs> let's, let's, Star Trek toys. let's go back uh, to the Amigo. We, uh, yeah, we interviewed Marty Abrams three separate times. So uh, we, we definitely got the Amigo. But the thing which is really interesting about the Star Trek toys, and one of the reasons why I decided to do it instead of Turtles or My Little Pony or whatever, which everybody's like, why did you do Star Trek? Um, It's a great story. And the thing which is really interesting about Star Trek versus the other seven shows that we did is, you know, just to use Star Wars as the counterpoint, like George Lucas had the legal, political, and financial power to make sure those toys were exactly what he wanted. Mm. Gene Roddenberry did not. He didn't have any of those things. So Uh Star Trek is literally like the anti-Star Wars story. It was a complete hodgepodge mess. You know, Star Wars, literally because Hasbro bought Kenner, Star Wars has had one company making Star Wars figures for 40 years. Star Trek has had 22 licensors even before we go. There were two companies before Mego, and now McFarland Toys is the latest. So wow. it's it is a complete like they made toys for Star Trek One, which didn't do well. They didn't make I remember those Star Trek Two, which did. So then they made toys for Three, which didn't. Then they did toys for Four, which did. And it's just just this complete comedy of errors uh, episode. So I'm glad you have a Star Trek One. Because I really want the Star Trek fan base to embrace the show uh, if they like it. Well, with with, with us, it's uh, – I know Derek and I, we've talked and we've talked about it over on the Star Wars podcast. We grew up in a time period. We're old enough. Star Trek, Space 1999, uh, maybe Space Ghost and something else was our sci-fi before Star Wars came about. Absolutely. Space even for me. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then, you know, after Star Wars comes out is when we get the new Buck Rogers. We get Battlestar Galactica. We get the new Flash Gordon. And and all... And Black Hole. And Black Hole. And and all these other crazy, crazy Roger Corman movies. 
But no, I mean, I I used to be a big fan of the Mego dolls, and I had almost almost everything between Marvel and DC. Wow. I had uh, Kirk and Spock, and I had uh, one of the gorillas from Planet of the Apes. But I was also into shows like Emergency and SWAT, and it's like, how come I can't find these? Well, I see them in the J.C. Penney's catalog or the Sears catalog, but didn't discover till later in life. Those were a totally separate company. Yeah, and, and it was that company that also made the Rocky dolls and the Muhammad yeah. Ali Sugar Ray Leonard dolls and the boxing rings? I'm like, okay, I didn't realize there were two different companies, but they were essentially the same doll. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's all kinds of stories like that. Yeah. That's like you mentioned You mentioned the toys for the first Star Trek movie, and I remember I had some of those, and they were not they were not great toys, as I recall. <laughs> so, If we get a third season, I want, I'm going to get that motion picture bridge. That thing is uh, oh, and, and very expensive. I remember that. I, I'd never even seen one. It has a transporter in it where you turn it around and they disappear. No, Except no, for no. the that, that's the, this was the bridge from the motion picture, okay. yeah, which had this star like submarine door next to the view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yep. it's just bananas. I mean, it was just it was just crazy. Made of crappy plastic. That's um, <laughs> I want one. I gotta have one. Now, do you have um, Migo as a topic? For a potential future episode? No, we're we're not really. The, I, I made a conscious decision in the beginning to always keep it about the toys, not about the companies. So, okay. our Star Trek episode, I'd say at least a quarter of it is about Mego. Okay. And in Star Trek episode, we cover the rise and fall of Mego. But it's still, I I, I don't think you can. You know, our show is designed to be good for toy lovers but also to bring people into toys for the first time. So I think we do an episode about Mego. We're not going to get any new people. But you do Star Trek, and right. you explore Mego via Star Trek, you can tell a great story. Okay, then I guess let me rephrase the question or, or ask a second question totally separate. What about covering like the DC – Toys, yes. DC Comics, or if, Marvel Comics, and, and hitting up the Mego stuff through that. Yes. If we get a second season, we're almost definitely going to do superheroes, um, which would also, of course, Mego would play a huge part of that. Yep. So would Kenner with Secret Wars. Uh, right. then, of course, 89 Batman figures. Then yeah. what McFarlane started doing. So, yes, absolutely. Superpowers. Because yeah. Yeah, I remember the original, the Mego Enterprise bridge set. Change, take That's away the one. Take away the spinning the, transporter. No, that didn't have a spinning. The, the transporter was a separate piece, if I remember yeah. right. Right, right, yeah. That's right, because yeah. I had the De- I had the Justice League version of the Enterprise playset, <laughs> which was the Hall of Justice. <laughs> right. And right. to transport, you put your Mego doll in this little chamber, slide the switch, and all of a sudden, he's transported, and you see him on the view screen. Yeah. And there were different slides to say, oh, they're here, they're there. And, and the only difference from the, li- the the cover that you undid and dropped was Justice League had the table, the map table, 
and the Enterprise had the captain's chair and the two, right? The two forward seating units. Right. Right. Other than right. that, it was the exact same shape, exact yeah. same components, different different decorated cardboard underneath the vinyl plastic. Right. Yeah, one of my favorite things, which was, you know, we made a sales tape about five minutes long, and that's what Netflix saw that got them to greenlight the series. The only thing in the sales tape that made it to the series, like black and white, here it is here, there it is there. Uh, was the uh, similar to what you're saying, uh, where the Gamorrean guard became Friar Tuck? Yeah. Uh, from a- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, so. I love that stuff where they just eh, just reuse the mold. Like, yeah, that cracks me up a lot. Yeah, me too. Now, <clears throat> the uh, the '80s had a lot of toy lines. Some of the big ones and some of the smaller ones. And I, I had a lot of them because my dad would always like anytime there was a new toy line, he'd go nuts and buy me some of them, like yeah. like vision, visionaries or Dino Riders or things like that. Would you ever think about maybe doing like even if it's just one episode on some of the smaller toy lines that came out around that time? We wouldn't do. And again, if we get more episodes. <clears throat> It's a matter of how many episodes we get. So if we get eight, the answer to the question is no. If we right. get 20, then I definitely want to do an episode about these really out there toys. Business yeah. being a great example. Right, uh, yeah. Silverhawks. You know, Silverhawks, yeah. That's where it's about to go. Uh, you know, Silverhawks, which was a huge bomb, huge bomb. Yep. Uh, Thundercats. Which yeah. was single going on a double was not a home run. Um, mask, which was kind mm. of a double. I was going to ask uh, about mask. Really a double, by the way. Those are toys that have a lot of emotional um, resonance for people mm-hmm. like us. You know, I'm forty. I'm almost forty-two. So, and I didn't play with mask, but some friends had it, and I like mask and everything. But. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Star Wars, My Little Pony, uh, say what you will about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. These toys have been in production from the day the first one popped out of the machine until probably an hour ago. They have been popping them out for 30 to 40 years. So Mask was cool. Thundercats was cool. But it, it was in and out in less than five years. Um, That's true. Yeah, it, it's something you got to. Re- and again, we we're we're trying to make this show not for everybody, um, but you know, we we are trying to make the show not just for the two percent people like the four of us. Who, right. You know. So, but if there's a way to combine mask with Thundercats with Silverhawk, like that is something we would try to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole line of girls' toys, which are very similar. That were basically very loud bombs. Um, uh, 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 strawberry shortcake. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe a double. Um, pa- uh, what's her name? Polly Pocket. Yeah. Not even a single. Um, but you know, we keep getting these requests, just like we do for Mask and Silverhawks. You know, the show I want to do if we get enough episodes, I want to do Cabbage Patch Kids because mm-hmm. a. Production B. I mean, it's a great story. 
yeah. a guy yeah. in, uh, in Georgia basically just started doing it on their free time. And then a week or two later, I had 10,000 people lining up to their farm yep. to get them. So yep. they said. Yeah, and those got huge. The other show I want to do, we'll see if I get the chance, is uh, the, a whole episode about uh, Worlds of Wonder, the Teddy mm. and Laser yeah. Tag. Yeah. You, the, uh, you see that DiCaprio movie, uh, The Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. yeah. Worlds of Wonder makes that look like uh, the Care Bears movie. Wow. It was crazy. It was just absolutely crazy what that company. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about Cabbage Patch. Uh, when my daughter was two, my dad took us to Cleveland, Georgia, and got my daughter a Cabbage Patch that was birthed from the Cabbage Patch there at the the Cabbage Patch Hospital. How long ago was that? Uh, at this point in time, six years ago. So pretty recent. Yeah, and they're still going. Cool. And they're still That's going. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I hope we can do that episode. Because that's a great story. What are going crazy those things? Oh, I was surprised there. I mean, they had a bunch pre-made of the the adults. But if you want one that was birthed and got the birth certificate, it had to be a newbie, a a, a baby doll. Uh, and you go through, you go into the adoption room. They ask you the name. They print up the certificate. The whole works. Wow. Well, and, and it comes with a it comes with the swaddling blanket know. and everything. Yeah, I didn't even. Mm. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's in, insane. Yeah. Um, what what about something like the like the Disney princess dolls or or the Disney lines of dolls with the princesses and the fairies? Because see those all over the place and I and I know I've spent my share of money on those with my daughter. Yeah, I got a daughter too and I you know, when I said goodbye to her this morning she was dressed like Bella. So I get it. <laughs> um, but um it, you know, and again I'm just giving you my knee jerk reaction. You know, maybe tomorrow morning I wake up and I feel differently. But to me those are about Disney and those movies and like, the Star Wars toys, yes, they're based on movies, and yes, He-Man was based on a cartoon, but I feel like the Disney Princess line is more about licensing uh-huh. than it is about the story. Like, I feel like if you made that into an episode, you'd be interviewing, like, the the granddaughter or the founder, the guy who created Cinderella. You know, well, it wouldn't be about... Um, but I, maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. I just thought there I I know being a a Disney cast member working here at Walt Disney World, um, I knew a couple of years. Uh, actually, I think it was last year, going from 2016 2017. The dolls used to be made by Mattel. Even yeah. the ones that were ghosted, now they're all Hasbro. Yeah, I think it was about two years ago. But yeah, huge. And by the way, I mean Mattel is not doing very well right now. And the main reason they're not doing well is because Barbie's getting killed. But the other reason is oh. they just lost a ton of cash flow uh, by losing uh, Disney Princess. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, it, and it's now, interesting. I, the Mattel uh, just dinging uh, that it's almost out of batteries. So if I uh, if I disappear, I apologize. No problem. <laughs> well, then that gives us the the word that we probably need to start wrapping it up. <laughs> um, I will say I know I will say I know what the the difference between the Disney dolls Mattels are almost two inch taller than the Hasbro because they're they're almost based on the the Barbie mold huh. and, and Mattel and and the Hasbro dolls like I said are 
I want to say they're right around 11 inches, while the others were either 12 or, or 13 inches. I did not notice that. So... Now, now, one thing, one thing I wanted to say was, uh, I, I was actually, I'm glad to see that you did the Barbie episode too, uh, and included Barbie, and the, you know the the girls' toys, um, and it was actually it was a great episode. I enjoyed watching it too, even though you know, well, my sister played with Barbie, but, but it was nice to see that you actually you included a girls' toy too. Well, in the next four, we got Hello Kitty. So yeah, so you. you got another one. <laughs> but but I think that's good that you did that that you included them too. How could you not do Barbie? Yeah, take definitely. Out, take out half of your watchers <laughs> if you don't uh, do that. <laughs> By the way, if I'm found dead in a ditch, uh, they got to uh, interview the My Little Pony fan clubs because they are not happy <laughs> we did Hello Kitty <laughs> instead of My Little Pony. Uh oh. Hey, Every day getting messages about that. Yeah, I hear those uh, My Little Pony fans are uh, brutal, They're too. insane. Yeah. F around. Hey, have, you ever, have you ever been to a convention where they... No, I have not. Where, where, there's, where the lines are insane to for an autograph from Tara Strong? No, I have not. Lucky you. <laughs> I, uh, God willing, I will be this year, though. Um, I'm trying to think... I know we talked about with, with season two, Turtles, um, My Little Pony, and there were a couple others. Is is there one for sure you know you must have in season two? 20 episodes, yeah. eight episodes, no matter what. Turtles and My Little Pony. Have to. Okay. And then if the list is a little bigger, Wrestling Figures, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Nice. I'd be, I'll be interested in the wrestling one too. That would be interesting. I'll bet. Yeah, because you go back to the old uh, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling for that one. It's a great. Oh yeah. Yeah, we've already started doing some research. It, it's a really interesting story, not just the wrestling, but the toys, the toys as well. Very interesting story. Yeah, because so at you one, might. At one point, you had toys out for three different three different leagues. You had yeah. ECW, WCW, and WWE. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can only imagine some of the cool things you've seen. You've already told us some of the things, but just like it was, doing uh, research into these. It was, it was, we'd been working on the show for over a year, and I'd still every now and then be at home watching a rough cut, and I'd say to myself, I cannot believe this got greenlit. <laughs> uh, but, gentlemen, I'm, I'm about to lose you, so uh, I apologize, but uh, this, this thing is uh, not happy. No. Well, we thank you for coming on. Where can where, where can people find you on the internet if they want to come looking for you? The best thing is really Instagram. If you're looking for the show, Facebook. We're uh, sometime tonight or tomorrow morning. We're going to break two hundred thousand followers on Facebook. So oh, wow. uh, pretty jazzed about that. But um, yeah, if you want to see pictures of my toys and my kids, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Brian, for coming on. Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate your time and uh, being into the show. Hey, and we thank your computer for allowing us to rap. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we made it. And on that note, I think that's going to bring us to a close. So go check out on Netflix, The Toys That Made Us. Catch the first four episodes yes. now. Next four are coming, uh, according to Brian, in about three months. Until, I can't wait. Until next time. Want to know more? <laughs> 
So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.